aka Brian the Comic Book Guy. If you like what you hear, click that subscribe button. Every week you're going to get the new episode right on your doorstep. We are knee deep into the House of Gold. This is going to be part four in the series. Now, there's a lot of uptime to the House of Gold. Now, a lot of them have to deal with the main characters. A lot of them have to deal with say you come into this because you like the characters. You read all the time. So there's a lot of things that don't really make sense to you because they're new characters that you don't really know. So, uh, so for time purposes, I'm going to try and little bit less summarize the more important ones and kind of fly through some of the more important ones because there's a lot of characters going on and a lot of them don't have to be a new part of the story. So if you want more of an in-depth approach to these issues, in-depth for any specific ones that I kind of just blow through, you can email me brythecomicbookguy at gmail.com or you can reach out to me on Instagram at brythecomicbookguy. So we're going to dive into uh, this week's issues. We've got New X-Men Academy 16 is our first one. Now, uh, normally in the X-Men universe they have this academy at the Xavier Institute. It's young kids that they're trying to learn how to use their powers, kind of like a, a new mutants so to speak, after the new mutants were gone and everything. But in the House of M, since mutants rule, these kids are kind of like in the upper echelon. Now, uh, there is a UN presentation uh, to talk about New Mutant Leadership Institute, uh, and they're at the UN talking about Magneto's leadership ability and everything. And they talk about, uh, they're getting ready to introduce uh, a new class of kids at the New Mutant Leadership Institute. It's kind of like a big class of new mutants, but uh, since it's the House of M and mutants are the hierarchy at the higher end, then these kids are going to be, it's kind of like a really expensive private school, but for mutants and everything. Now during this presentation, there's a human terrorist attack screaming, no more mutants, and just as you're about to rush the stage with these cadets, there's a uh, group that comes out of a helicarrier. Now it's called the Hellions. Now, long-time readers of the X-Men know that the Hellions are Emma Frost students from the Hellfire Club. They're kind of like the Hellfire Club's New Mutants. And it's the, in this time frame, in this reality, these Hellions are junior S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. So the mutants run S.H.I.E.L.D. So these guys are like S.H.I.E.L.D. cadets, really. Uh, and they're... Uh, led by Agent Moonstar, Danny Moonstar, who was one of the original New Mutants, and they quickly take care of the attack. Uh, you get to see a lot of them and their powers defend all these kids from that New Mutant Institute. They kind of know each other a little bit, but uh, these kids are uh, on the higher end of the training since they're technically junior S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, and uh, there, there's talk of uh, between uh, the agent in charge, uh, Danny Moonstar, and the headmaster of the academy, who's also in the real world, one of the first mutants, uh, Zyan, uh, Zyan Mann. Uh, she was one of the first of the new mutants as well. This goes way far back to uh, Marvel graphic number number four when you introduce to the new mutants for the first time. Uh, you see characters like Jubilee, things like that, and it, it's just a, some familiar X-Men characters. Uh, then you end up seeing one of the other headmasters of this academy, a one Doug Ramsey. Now, he was also one of the new mutants. He was also one of the first new mutants to die. If 
you go back to Fall of the Mutants uh, episodes that I did, uh, Doug Ramsey was the new mutant. He didn't have uh, tangible powers, per se, uh, which left him a little bit vulnerable, and he was the first new mutant to die uh, in the field of battle. So he's suddenly alive and one of the uh, one of these kids' headmasters. So this is basically... Uh, young shield agents and the academy people they're they're kind of wanting to do a little uh, training exercise and get these kids uh, to uh, a new level of recruitment but they want to send them on a secret mission but one of them doesn't like it because one of the characters has uh, a father that's part of the organization that uh, they want to infiltrate and she talks about how uh, she's torn between the new assignment and uh, there's a resistant group in Japan uh, that her father leads. Now, we don't get to see who the character is yet, but uh, it's kind of like a balance back and forth of them arguing who's going to go, who's going to tell them what, and uh, uh, what's going to be involved with all that. And we see that she does end up going to see her dad, but uh, when she comes out of her, her dad's office, uh, one of the other recruits sees her, who ends up having uh, mutant powers and uh, ends up not being one of the good guys, as it looks like. But we'll dive into more of that later. We see, uh, yeah, she's not uh, she's not a good guy, as happens a lot with these storylines. So next we get to Fantastic Four House of M number two of three. This issue is a little bit more interesting because it kind of shows the uh, origin of Doom's Frightful Four, Fearsome Four, as you will say. Now, it begins with him telling the story of how he found a shuttle capsule that crash-landed after it went into space. Very familiar story. But it didn't end well in the House of M. It's Reed Richards' team goes into space. It's Reed Richards, Susan Storm, John Jameson instead of Johnny Storm went into space. Now, John Jameson is the son of J. Jonah Jameson, and in the main time stream, he's an astronaut as well as Ben Grimm goes into it as well. So we see that uh, things didn't go so well for uh, this group, and instead of being altered, coming back down to Earth, and becoming the Fantastic Four, they were altered in the space capsule, it crash-landed, and they died. Now this is some pretty, pretty messed up stuff. And uh, we see that Ben Grimm is the it. He's taken out of the craft. The other guys didn't make it. Uh, you see Doom unloading Ben, and Ben's like, kill me, please. I, I don't want to look like this. I don't want to feel like it. And he's saying how uh, Ben Grimm was the first of his recruits. And then he says, the others I would need to create. Uh, I, these need to be people closest to me for this honor. My family, my wife, Valiera. And he turns uh, his wife, Valiera, and his young ward, Kristoff, into this super team. He gives them powers, calls them the Fearsome Four. Kristoff takes the role of Johnny Storm, uh, the Human Torch, but he's not the Human Torch in this, and uh, uh, the Invincible Woman is Valiera. So they have control over their powers, as Doom has made sure that they don't, uh, they, they can tear them off, basically. Now, we continue to see the plot that Doom has with Magneto. Uh, he does not like the House of M, doesn't like being overruled and everything, and Doom is trying to set a trap to try and figure out how he can undo and overthrow Magneto. Now Magneto talks to him about uh, he's needing to find uh, some extra dimensional research so that way he can have this incarnate, uh, like this prison for all of their enemies. But Doom ends up using this to an advantage. He goes into another realm with the Fearsome Four, uh, taking out the population 
and uh, he makes room for what Magneto thinks is going to be an area for a prison. But he notices that uh, this realm works a little bit differently than their realm, and he wants to know if uh, the different branches of physics works differently, and something doesn't work right as the same way it does in their universe, and it has to do with electromagnetics. So Doom has found a place where Magneto's powers don't really work the same way, and he tells his team that he is trying to further enhance his team so that their powers can be greater than the mutants. And Ben Grimm doesn't like this because the whole time Doom, in this reality, Doom has been saying, well, I'm going to give you a cure for your whatever your thing is that turns you into this brute, but he's mad now because he was never intending on doing this. So Doom and his team come back to the main reality, and he tells Magneto that there's this new realm that awaits, and he needs to be one of the first people to see it. So Magneto is there with Polaris and Quicksilver, his mutant kids, and the issue ends with a portal opening, and uh, you can see Quicksilver, he doesn't really trust Doom, obviously, I mean, Doom's never been really trustworthy in any reality, warped or unwarped. So Doom opens up this portal, Quicksilver, uh, Polaris, and the other members of Doom's team go through, and the issue ends with Doom saying to Magneto, after you. So he's definitely going to be up to something. We get to Iron Man, House of M, number two. Uh, as we saw in the last issue, uh, Howard Stark was standing over Tony in a sentinel, and we thought, oh, he's turned against his dad. But this was something that uh, was kind of misleading, because he's telling Tony exactly what to do. He controlled the sentinel, but only enough for Tony to get away, because he's saying, okay, see this little uh, missing piece of shielding on this sentinel, aim for it, and then you're going to run away. So Howard Stark was actually helping Tony. So... Tony manages to take out the Sentinel and flies away, but nobody knows who this Iron Man is yet. So the rest of this issue, uh, Iron Man has become somewhat of a celebrity on this in this reality. Tony is trying to kind of keep it low on who it is, and uh, they're, they're wanting to talk about uh, the House of M is wanting to develop some new technology, uh, new prototypes, and uh, there's this mutant that says, we know what you're hiding. And she brings up this screen of the Vision Project. You've been making substantial breakthroughs. And he's like, no, I'm a human-level uh, thinker. Uh, the real credit, we're going to go to Forge. Forge is the mutant thinker in any reality, really. So they're kind of trying to say who this Iron Man is. And actually, they suspect it's the wrong thing. They think Johnny Storm is the Iron Man, and they need to find him. Howard and Tony know this secret, and they need to find the missing Hank Pym to kind of bring it all together to join in in this like human uh, resistance, so to speak, of the hierarchy of humans. And uh, they're trying to find Hank Pym. They can't really find him, but then they get a notification that somebody did find him. And while this is going on, Tony is getting ready to upgrade his armor, but finds out Johnny Storm broke into the lab and put on Iron Man armor himself. And he's like, you did it. You, uh, you're a rock star, Tony. He's like, Johnny, what are you doing? You need to get out of that thing really fast. And Johnny's like, no, I need to fight. I need to fight. I want to help you. And just as they're about to seal their deal, they see that uh, mutants have found Hank Pym. But Iron Man is trying to get to him first. Uh, there's sentinels all around him. And Hank Pym, just as in the regular reality, uses his, his Pym particle things, and he shrinks down and ends up uh, coming in uh, to right on the, like Tony's 
lap and uh, shrinks back up. And it's kind of like in the main reality, he's got this pin particle, and uh, he shrinks them down so they can avoid being uh, detected by the sentinels. When all the sentinels go away, he brings them back. And uh, But you find out that there's another part of the pin particle thing that uh, Hank was not telling everybody. When the pin particles surround Iron Man and Johnny Storm, who rescued him, they shrank down. But at the same time, it's some type of uh, uh, broadcast thing for uh, killing people around them, killing mutants. And while they were shrunk down, it ended up being like this little bomb that uh, killed a bunch of mutants around them. So they're not really happy with Hank Pym at this time, neither would I. Uncanny X-Men 463 is next. Now, the X-Men that were not directly involved in the main storyline are still trying to figure out what reality they're in, what's going on, because they had been uh, kind of reality hopping at the time. That was kind of a thing that some of the mutants were doing. Psylocke and uh, Rachel Summers, Phoenix 2, and uh, Captain Britain and his uh, wife Megan. They were trying to find the, the right reality to go to, but they end up in the same reality and they kind of meet up. And they, they got to figure out what's going on because they're saying in the main reality there is something going on which prevented them from coming back to it. It's kind of like Wanda was purposely leaving everybody that could have done anything about it out of it. So they're trying to go through these different realities and try and get back to the right one, but they're not getting back into the right one. And they stumble onto a reality where uh, all of the X-Men bad guys are fighting each other. You see a little bit of Juggernaut, Banshee, Blob, all of the other characters here. And uh, they, uh, they, they want to get back to their reality, but they got to figure out what to do. And uh, they don't end up doing much of else in this issue. But they got to find all the other X-Men that are not part of the House of M. And they think they've stumbled onto Nightcrawler, but it ends up being a lady dressed as Nightcrawler, and they, uh, they're kind of confused on who it is. Before we get into our next issue, we're going to take a brief commercial break, and we're going to dive right back in with another House of M main storyline issue. We'll be right back. So we get to House of M, the main storyline, issue 5. Now, as we saw in the previous issue, Wolverine started waking up everybody. Emma Frost was woken up. And a lot of the other characters were woken up. And uh, we see Emma talking to that uh, very nice young lady who was waking up everybody in the previous issues. So now they got to find everybody. They really need to find everybody. Now the first person they do find, Scott Summers comes home. Obviously because uh, he lives with Emma. They're married. So she, uh, uh, Layla focuses on Scott wakes him up and he goes oh my god why are we married the whole world is messing up how can Magneto do this so then the first question is how is where's Professor Xavier Wolverine tells him he hasn't been able to find him he's been up to the school it's not the school so Scott goes who can we find now the other tie-in issues for Spider-Man come after this but they do end up finding Spider-Man in this issue and waking him up because the rest of this issue is waking up everybody that they can we see him with his family, Gwen Stacy and his kid. Uh, Emma kind of suggests that Aunt May, Uncle Ben, and Gwen go take a walk in the park, and they wake Peter up. We see him remembering everything and uh, kind of saying, hey, what's going on here? And uh, they just got to go through all of the House of M and try and 
find everybody they can. But Peter's having a rough time because he's going through his memories. He remembers everything, but he wants to hold on to what he has, especially since Gwen Stacy is alive and he has a kid. And he is going, uh, he's talking to Wolverine about, is this is this really messed up? I, I know what I remember. I remember Mary Jean, but I have Gwen here. We have a kid. And Wolverine kind of pulls him out of this little funk that he has. So they start going around finding everybody else that they can. They find Kitty Pride, who's a school teacher. We see Dr. Stephen Strange is an actual uh, psychiatrist, so they wake him up. Uh, Carol Danvers is one of the human superstars, so they wake her up. Uh, they go to find uh, Tony Stark. They wake up Tony Stark. And uh, they wake uh, up Matt Murdock, Jennifer Walters. So they got She-Hulk and Daredevil back. And uh, they're not going... They find Captain America. And they don't revive him yet because, as we saw in the first couple of uh, parts... He's 100 years old. He was never frozen in the block of ice during World War II. And they said he is absolutely no use to them like that. We'll have to go back and get him later. So we see everybody that has woken up from this. They're all meeting and everything. And uh, Hawkeye gets pretty mad because he's still trying to figure out why he's suddenly alive. But uh, this reality is Mystique and Rogue and some of the other characters kind of bust in. And uh, since they're part of the team originally that went in, uh, Layla wakes them up too, wakes them all up, and they're like, oh, crap. And Mystique gets really mad because uh, in this reality, she's with Wolverine, and she's not really happy about that either. Uh, so they're like, okay, what's the plan? And they're like, we need to go right to Magneto because he knows exactly where Professor Xavier is. We go to Genosha. Uh, Polaris is talking with Magneto. He uh, is talking to Polaris for a little bit, and he says, I will join you shortly. He walks over to this grotto, and it's the Xavier Memorial Garden, and it says he died so Genosha could live. So they're really in a pickle now because in this reality, Professor Xavier is not alive, and that's going to be some trouble down the road because what did Wanda do with Professor Xavier? We'll eventually figure it out, and it, it, it's, I'm not going to ruin anything. So I don't want to spoil it. The next issue is New Thunderbolts 11. And uh, this is, for those of you who don't know, the Thunderbolts at this point in time were uh, Baron Zemo had, uh, when all of the heroes left after Onslaught and the Heroes Reborn, I'll get to that later this year, uh, he took over as a superhero team called the Thunderbolts, but it was a bunch of bad guys pretending to be good guys, and then they finally got on masks. So in this reality, they all know that the Thunderbolts are bad guys, and we see one of the characters is uh, kind of uh, trying to remember things, and he's remembering things but not remembering things. He's feeling that there's time and space is all sorts of messed up, and it's, you find out that that character is uh, Janice Vell. He's Captain Marvel's son. So he's got all these superpowers and cosmic senses, but he starts thinking and knowing that there's something else going on. There's another reality out there, uh, because in this time he's part of the Thunderbolts uh, in uh, the main reality. And everybody's saying, what's going on? What are you doing? So he's feeling like he's going insane. So the rest of this issue is him going back and forth from the, the House of M reality and all of his memories trying to find all these different missing pieces to kind of see what's really going on. Now at one point, 
Janice Vell, the spirit of him, was bonded to Rick Jones, who is basically the Marvel Comics mascot. Picture him kind of like the Coulson of the Marvel movies, but uh, Rick was around for a very long time. And he stumbles onto Rick Jones's grave, and it says he died too young in a tragic accident. So he's really messed up now because what does he do if there's no Rick Jones that spawned to? What does he do because this is just this weird reality? So he kind of flies into space, and he's trying to fix reality and his powers kind of start working he comes back down to earth and he sees some of the other thun uh, thunderbolts and his powers uh, some of the other characters one of the thunderbolts named atlas he kind of splits reality the real atlas half appears with the uh, house of m version of atlas same same body and everything but it's split half of him knows what's going on half of him doesn't so he's kind of trying to wake him up but his powers Wanda's powers really are working overtime in this, and he can't seem to figure out how to make it all go away. And in the end, he ends up just flying away and uh, leaving all the characters to what's going on. And eventually you see him come back to Earth in another storyline. So we get to Incredible Hulk, 85. Now, in the previous issue, Hulk and his uh, people had raided the Australian capital, uh, trying to overthrow that uh, regime that was taking over. Hulk smashes right in and starts bashing everybody. It kind of flips back and forth from what he did then to him waking up after it was all over, recovering. He's got some bandages because Hulk did smash. And uh, you find out he's had a relationship with that uh, with that covert operative that kind of allied himself from him. From him. And uh, they kind of have a thing going on. So he kind of uh, wants to use her as uh, trying to finish taking over the entire country and all the AIM agents and all that. So she sneaks aboard an AIM ship trying to find uh, some help. And while he's going to negotiate with the leading parties of it but he doesn't transform into the hulk he's as bruce banner and he's trying to negotiate a, a peaceful accord so to speak with that which is really funny because he's trying to make peace as bruce banner but uh, the second he flips out he turns into the hulk now he's kind of having uh, this kind of spiritual crisis he wants to become the hulk to just smash everybody and he sees, uh, sees visions of the, uh, the tribal leader that uh, helped him find his spiritual boundary. And he's like, I have a situation. What do I do? And uh, he's kind of at this crossroads of do I hulk out or do I keep his Bruce Banner and try and make the peace? And he ends up stumbling onto, well, they, uh, most of them uh, end up stumbling onto the uh, Australian government is making these cyborgs. Now, if you've uh, read any of the X-Men in the uh, 80s or saw the Logan movie, that you saw that uh, the Reavers, where they were like half cyborg, half humans, and we had talked about this in some of the previous Hulk issues of House of M, but he, they stumbled onto this massive facility where there's dozens and dozens and dozens of these guys. So the Australian government is getting ready to make dozens and dozens of these. So Hulk has just had enough. So he jumps down and hulks out, and uh, he just starts wiping out all the cyborgs. One of the cyborgs takes his, uh, his girl hostage, and uh, he doesn't want to uh, attack her, attack him because he's got her. 
So he just starts smashing everything and hoping eventually that he releases that lady. He ends up doing so, and uh, he goes over to the guy that was leading this institution, and he's like, uh, are you creating an army to fight mutants? He goes, yes. And he's like, to reclaim Earth for humans? Yes. Uh, Hulk's like, I was, I hate armies, but I was never told about this. And they're saying, well, it was kept confidential. And the lady friend that he has is watching over this, and she goes, uh, we have a problem. So they weren't, they found out that they weren't telling, or Hulk found out they weren't telling him everything, and he has been under surveillance the whole time. So then we get to Mutopia X, 2 of 5, and, uh, the previous issue, uh, the Sapien League was, uh, in, uh, Sapien Town, and it had a couple of, uh, people that, Lucas Bishop was trying to protect uh, this uh, suspected gangster, Daniel Kaufman, and uh, Bishop was partnered with the special agent Ortega, and the, the gangsters uh, got this arm candy, so to speak, named Lara the Illusionist. Uh, there was an attack, Kaufman survives, and uh, this is kind of like the after effect where they're trying to figure out who is the terrorist organization, and Bishop is looking for any of the humans to kind of help him out and figure out how to uh, stop the terrorism in Sapien Town. It's got a lot of weird stuff going on. There isn't really much to tie this into the main storyline other than this is what Bishop is doing. Now, Bishop was part of the Uncanny X-Men that weren't directly involved, but for somehow uh, Bishop was part of the plans that Wanda had to kind of make everything uh, House of M-ish. He was part of the plan, so he's, uh, he's trying to protect some humans, uh, but at the same time he's riding the fence since he's a mutant wanting to not piss off the mutant community, and uh, he's not really sure what to do. It's kind of like a uh, inward struggle of Bishop with uh, all of these humans. So the last issue we're going to talk about today is Spider-Man House of M3. Now, last issue was a big one. They found out that everything in Spider-Man's world came crashing down. Jonah Jameson revealed, and then they start talking all these news stories where Spider-Man was revealed that he is not a mutant. His origin is the same as the regular universe. He was bitten by a radioactive spider. He kept this journal that talked about it, how he wasn't a mutant. Jameson found it, started telling everybody what was going on. Now everybody knows that Spider-Man is not a mutant. Now his world comes crashing down. Now Spider-Man was a famous actor and a famous person, so they take down, you see them taking down all of these movie posters and uh, deleting all of his movies, uh, talking to his bodyguard, the Rhino. And uh, how many people did know about this? Uh, kids getting beat up for wearing Spider-Man logos. Uh, Jameson getting this prestigious award for breaking the story of the year. Him being interviewed, talking about all these things that Spider-Man kept secret. And Peter is just besides himself. He... He goes to a hospital where there was a young Spider-Man fan that got beaten up because he was a fan. And it's just like the normal Spider-Man. He feels really bad about what's going on. He's on the fence because he wants to do the right thing, but all these powers and responsibilities. But he's also got to think Aunt May and Uncle Ben are alive in this reality. So he has them to lean on and his wife, Gwen Stacy. And Rhino just wants to be left alone. He's getting picked on because he was Spider-Man's bodyguard. So he starts trashing through Manhattan, and Spider-Man uh, just, he wraps him up, webs him up, 
And he's like, what are you doing? He goes, I was just following orders. And he goes, I'm having a spider sense moment. And this mob starts attacking Spider-Man, throwing things at him. Rhino gets away. Uh, and we see that he was being coerced by Green Goblin. So Rhino was under the spell. And uh, he's like, okay, meet me there tonight at Parker's house behind his house. So Spider-Man gets away from the mob and he goes home and he's trying to deal with what's going on. He's got Aunt May, Uncle Ben, uh, Captain Stacy, Gwen Stacy and his mom. And uh, he's like, okay, I need to figure out what's going on here. You guys need to be safe. You guys need to figure out what's going on. Uh, I need to get away from all of this i can't let you guys get hurt most of all because it's the same thing he doesn't want his family to get hurt but they end up being sucked into his life we've seen green goblin assemble a bunch of guys now there's some of them are familiar We've got rhino electro and the vulture and some other characters one of them looks like a juggernaut and uh, they are saying that this goblin is not the real goblin he's a fake goblin uh, Electro and Vulture, they all attack this fake goblin and uh, they uh, uh, end up taking off his mask and they see who they're dealing with and it's Spider-Man himself and he kind of wakes up and he goes, wait, what? What was I doing? So that's a weird thing too. The Green Goblin that assembled a bunch of guys to go after Peter Parker and Spider-Man ended up being Peter Parker. Now I'm sure there's a little bit more to this that we will cover in the next set of issues. So we're, I'd say we're about halfway through with the House of M. And like I said before, there's a lot of tie-ins that aren't going to make a lot of sense because they're not directly involved with the main story. So the ones that, the characters that do have more to do with the main storyline, I'm kind of focusing on them a little bit more and kind of briefly covering the other ones because there's a lot of things with these tie-ins. Some of them are loosely connected because they just show really something little that's going on. There's a lot of uh, tie-ins with the storyline Inferno, where there's four different parts to the Inferno. There's a lot of things going on in, in during the Inferno story, but they're only tie-ins to the Inferno because they briefly mentioned the Inferno, but they called it an Inferno tie-in. So that's what was going on, since reality was warped for everything for a bunch of months for House of M. They just needed to tie everything to it and kind of just threw a bunch of issues with some loose tie-ins of what some of the other characters were doing during the fourth house. So next week we're going to cover the next batch of issues and that's going to start off with a character that we really haven't seen yet because they haven't woken him up and Black Panther.